Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. I'm Johnson Wagner, joined alongside by my good friend Brendan DeYoung. And today we have a super special guest, Adam Hayes, longtime caddy on the PGA Tour, caddying for former number one player, uh, current number two player in the world, John Rahm. All that coming up next. Today's Five Clubs podcast is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. You might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focus group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips, refresh your game. Visit golfpride.com today to learn more. Golf Pride, respect the grip. And with that, Brendan, Adam, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, glad this worked out. Me too, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for making some time for us. Well, you've been on quite a run recently. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been exciting for you. It's been, it's been amazing. Um, and then this year's just been a lot different where um, we've had so many tournaments that you kind of have to play now, um, which is a good thing, good problem to have. Um, but it's, the season's been very front-loaded. And so now this is uh, – we're in the middle of three weeks off right now before the Open Championship. So very excited to be home and uh, be able to come do this, you guys. Well, I was kidding with the two hours, but uh, take us back to the beginning. How you've been caddying on the PGA Tour for a long time. I've known you ever since our rookie years yeah. back in 07. Uh, how did it come about with John Rahm? What was the what was the first meeting like? So the f funny story, the first uh, meeting I had with John Rahm, I flew out to Scottsdale to, to meet with him and his now wife, Kelly, that then they were just dating. Um, and I, I had just showed up. We had coming from home. We had just built a new house, my wife and I. Um, and there was a, I guess, a tropical storm or, or something came through, and we were getting just torrential rain. And um, I, there was a side garage, and all this clay and mud was coming down and coming into our brand new house. And so I'm out there with my, I think I got a Ryder old Ryder Cup rain suit on, you know, just hands shoveling this mud out, and my hands were just bleeding and blistered and just nasty so i show up to meet john rom this is pre-covid you know when you were still shaking hands and you weren't fist bumping i showed up and it was just like a sorry man i like can't shake your hand and, you know my hands were just ripped apart so um the funny thing is now every time i go back to work on a week off or um you know a couple weeks off i'll go back and i'll have nicks on my hands and stuff working at home and so i tell people all the time Going to work for John Rahm is like going on vacation. When I'm home, I'm, I'm working. So. And when you when you come home and you're working, like you have 120 acres, you're riding. I mean, Brendan can Brendan rides a tractor. Yeah. Like you're you're cutting you're cutting how many how many acres of grass? What are you doing on these pieces? So of the yeah, we, good question. Um, right now, it's turned into more fun stuff. At the beginning, it was work. It was I did all the uh, our own grading. Um, I kind of I don't know. As a kid, I always liked tractors and things like that. Never really had one. Could never afford one. Um, and so when we bought this land, uh, one of the first things I wanted was a skid steer 
to be able to do all my own grading and moving yeah. rocks and yeah. just digging ditches and trails and whatever. So it's kind of grown into this little, like a mini uh, land clearing business I have, you know, but it's not, it's just for myself. And so I'm cutting trails and, um, you know, just got this morning, actually, I put a new drive in a road I had to put in for a new little area. I cleared out where I'm going to store some of my stuff and it's just working. So working with your hands on, on the land and doing fun stuff. What's your favorite piece of equipment you have? Oh, so I've got a, uh, I've got a thing called a Bomalite forestry mulcher. And basically it's a, a head with about 40 teeth on it that spins around it anywhere from 2,500 to 5,000 RPM. And it just eats trees up. So it just kind of going a straight line, anything less than six inches, you don't even feel it going, mulching it up. Anything bigger, you got to take your time a little bit. But that's kind of turned into my most fun thing to go and just make a trail wherever you want to go. So you're making these trails. What are you riding? Bikes, motorcycles. Yeah. What are you riding on these trails? A little bit of everything. Um, mostly four wheelers. Okay. Um, I make them wide enough. We have a uh, Polaris side by side. You know that we can. If friends come over, when you guys come up sometime, we'll jump on it and go ride around the property. And I've got it where it goes down through a couple creeks. And so there's some more aggressive trails. There's more just fun cruising trails and then uh, my wife and I will go out uh, mornings especially during school when the kids are off drop them off and then we got and I got a couple nice you know anywhere from maybe a mile to three mile trails you know system that I can walk and keep in shape or somewhat in shape so honestly is there anything more relaxing than getting on a tractor and just riding around Nothing. you cannot hear anything it's Nothing. awesome it's incredible um, and that was kind of part of how I stumbled into having land. Uh, my wife grew up on a farm in Kansas. Um, so she was kind of used to it. I grew up in a little town in Florida, um, pretty rural, but we didn't have land at all. Um, and so I was working for John. Um, life was great, still is. Uh, but I had a hard time coming home and kind of getting away from being labeled as, you know, Adam Hayes, the caddy. Um, and so neighbors, friends. It was always golf, 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 golf. And that was starting to drive, drive me nuts. And so I wanted a, a release, you know, a way to kind of get away. And we had a beautiful house on the lake and loved it and loved our neighbors. But every time I came home, there's, you know, the next door neighbor's yard guy or the people across the cove getting their yard done or what, there was just always something. And then, um, so I started looking for some like hunting ground and some land up towards the mountains. And my wife goes, gosh, we're never going to see you. If you take off after you've been gone for two or three weeks right. and then, so anyways, um, started looking around Charlotte and we were up at the lake, Norman, and wanted to stay in that area and stumbled upon uh, Lincoln County and now the kind of secret's out out there. So What's that, a lot of people well, moving. How far is that to the airport in Charlotte? It takes me max 30 minutes to the Charlotte airport. Closer than you, Brenda. Yeah, yeah. it's easy. So it's easy. Um, I can be to Asheville and an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, and we can be to the beach and you guys know, three yeah. hours, three and a half hours, yeah. and the airport's there. So it turned into be a great place for us and a place where I can get away and um, it's quiet. And you got a pretty good buffer there with 120 acres. Yeah, we, we do. <laughs> we got so fortunate and we just, you know, had a topography map of the place and my wife is really talented at that kind of stuff. She was in real estate and knew a lot about building homes and uh, we had built a couple other homes throughout the years and we literally found the high highest point of the property and it just so happened to be pretty much in the middle and so we said that's where the house is going to go well so. it couldn't have been too high if you had red clay running through the front door <laughs> no that was the, that was our house previous on the uh, lake. Okay, yeah okay, okay, yeah okay. so um but anyways 
it's uh it's a great place we love it well let's get back i know you just said people bugging you about golf all the time but that's what i'm here to do yeah. is bug this, you about golf. and i love golf i am so i mean it's been the greatest thing in my life um and so i love talking about it i love being involved in it and um but just you guys know, sometimes you just need something to be able to get away. Hey, and, we um, Brennan and I both moved away from neighbors <laughs> and have no neighbors now. That yeah. we were fully on board with what you're saying. Um, you played college golf, University of Central Florida. Uh, you playing any golf right now? You still have some game? No, I um, my game's still decent though. I I feel like I can pretty much go anywhere and. I'm going to keep it under 80, I feel like, you know, and so that's, or you never know. Brendan can't do that anymore. Uh, and that's not from the back tees, maybe. I mean, you know, up where it's fun, uh, but I'm a nine holer now. I love nine holes, cooler beer, yeah, speaker, you know, and then it occasionally goes somewhere and play. But I'd say if I play three rounds of golf a year, that's, that's a lot. It, so was the, uh, was the aspiration ever to play professional golf when you were in college? Yeah, it was. And I tried, I, uh, I played some you know state open type things and some uh, mini tour stuff around Orlando yeah. um, after college and uh, played on the Hooters tour for a season. Played with Zach Johnson, Vaughn Taylor, Chad Campbell was killing everybody out there at the time, um, and that's kind of how I stumbled into caddying. I, I wasn't good enough to play. Mm -hmm. um, found that out real quick, and was going to be getting an insurance job. And uh, a good friend of mine, Danny Sharp who caddies for Lori Kane or was caddying for Lori Kane on the ladies tour. They used to practice at our club in Florida. And he said, man, I just, I don't really see you sitting behind a desk, you know, selling insurance. So, uh, the ladies tour at the end of, uh, 99 was down in Florida. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, they had three tournaments like grand Cypress somewhere down in Naples and then Doral. And he said, why don't you come caddy for a couple weeks and just see. And I think he wanted me to keep trying to play. Um, but those days were, were gone. And so I, I caddied for three weeks, loved it, and never looked back. And how long so, did you end up caddying on the LPGA? I caddied on the ladies' tour uh, till the beginning of 2004. Okay. And, um, and then Vaughn Taylor, who is still one of my best friends, um, needed a caddy. And I had just gotten fired, actually, um, by the girl I was working for. His dad fired me. That's you know, classy. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, which, best thing ever, send him a Christmas card every year. Because got on the men's tour in 2004 with Vaughn, and Vaughn won a tournament that year, um, won another tournament the following year, and then in 2006 made the Ryder Cup team. And kind of that was when I knew that, uh, you know, like I think I can make a living at doing this and continue to do it. So here I am. Yeah, that Ryder Cup team. So you did you win twice with Vaughn and Reno? Yes. Both times. Both times that, yes. that old Montreux golf course is one of my favorites. and it's so fun. Uh, I, I hated when they went to Stapleford because I think it took the huge number. You can make a 10 out there on any given hole if you yes. were off the planet. But Beautiful anyway. golf course and the homes and just the area was awesome. And, yeah, I miss going there. So that's going to make you one of very few caddies that have caddied on a European Ryder Cup and an American Ryder Cup team. Yeah. I don't think there's very many, and I, I laugh because there's only one other thing that I really want to do. I caddied on the Solheim Cup team on the U.S. side, and it's be fun to caddy on the European side and the Solheim Cup. Maybe, but I don't, that probably won't happen. But it was uh, so I think Fooch that caddies for uh, Billy Horschel was caddying for Billy Horschel. I think he's done one on both sides, maybe. Well, he would um, definitely have done one with Jay Rose. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely done one there. I just don't know if he's done one on the U.S. side. Um, I don't know, but there's, I think there's maybe one other person, I'm sure. Is it hard being an American caddying for a European guy in a Ryder Cup? It, it's not. Um, I get asked that a lot, and I'm very competitive, and, and I like to win, and you always, 
I've always told guys, you always want to be on the winning team. You know, as American as I am, and, and I love America, and you know, but you don't want to be on a losing team. And, and so I, I hate it's been to very s- easy for me. I hate to say this, but I, yeah. I think the European team room, caddy room, would probably be a hell of a lot more fun than the U.S. side. I think that's changing now. I think it's changing, yeah. But I think back in '06, especially, I would have way rather been on that team. And your, how many, how many have you done with Rom now? Three. Uh, this year will be three. Okay. Yep. We did uh, Paris. Uh, and then Whistling Straits, and this year back in Rome. So it's gonna be gonna be awesome. And yeah, the team rooms. Listen, I mean they're they're both great. The U.S. guys have a lot of fun. There were some years maybe where it wasn't as much, but in '06 we had an unbelievable team room and um, a great group of caddies, and and we had a ton of fun over there in, in Ireland. And you know we got beat up bad in that Ryder Cup, but we still had a really good time and. Um, and, you know, the European guys, that's just kind of how they roll. They always have a, a good time. So That would have been Matt Hauser's uh, yeah. only Ryder Cup with J.J. Henry. Henry. Yeah. Uh, and there. he, I've heard him tell many stories about how it was Tom Lehman, the captain? Tom Lehman. Yeah, that, right. that, that, I've, I've heard that was a fun. Yeah, fun it, was, it was a fun Ryder Cup. Uh, the, the beat down on the golf course wasn't great, but the, the hang time off the course was awesome. I mean, it really is. That that team room is is unbelievable. I've obviously only been lucky enough to play in one, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it really is. It's phenomenal. You start looking forward to it. Yes. It's uh, you can't wait for the mornings and the evenings. It's uh, oh. and get pretty fun in there. It's awesome. So. so you've won on the PGA Tour with Vaughn Taylor. Yes. With John Rahm, obviously. Yes. Did you win with Russell Henley? On, on I did. Where where yep. did Joe win Honda Classic? Uh, Honda Classic, in a playoff with um, Ryan Palmer, Russell Knox. And uh, Rory McIlroy. So and, when, yeah, that was, and yeah. Rory hit an incredible shot in 18 to yeah. force a playoff. But when when you made the decision to, to go seek out John Rahm, uh, you were catting for Russell at the time. Was. And was that, uh, that had to be like a, a gut-wrenching decision to at, at the time because Russell's a good dude and obviously a good guy yeah, to work great for. Great player. Yeah. And so it wasn't, um, I wasn't actively looking. You know, I didn't go out looking for John Rahm. I was happy working for Russell Henley. Um I just I had gotten approached by, um, you know, some people that just if I would be interested, and I said yeah, but you know, not basically I want to finish out with Russell, right? I never want to leave me behind dry yeah. middle of the season, whatever. Um, and when Russ didn't make the Tour Championship that year, um, a couple of days later I flew out to Scottsdale and met with John and um, living in Charlotte, that's a benefit. You know, you just jump on a plane and go and. I went out there and um, we hit it off and, and got along great. Spent a couple of days and came home and when I got home, there was a text message or something that just said, "Hey, you know, John would like to hire you if you if you're into it." That's a that's a big so, risk. Yeah, you did. You took it a was. big risk. And, and you know, I think the way that it was it went down was, you know, I wasn't done working for Russell. I was still working for Russ. You know, and so to make that phone call to Russell was tough. I mean, I'd gone to his wedding. Um, he was awesome. His wife Teal is. An incredible person, and her and my wife got along good. And so it was a, it was a hard phone call to make. Um, and to this day, I still see Russ, and we still talk. And um, I would still consider him a friend. So, but. Yeah, but that's a, I mean, that like, I love caddies. I think you know yes. that. Uh, Matt Hauser is one of my favorite people of all time. We worked together for ten years. Yeah. When an opportunity comes up like that, that's that's things that caddy dreams are made of. You want a young stud coming out of college, and now. It is by no means was it guaranteed he was going to be who he right. is, but you got in there in the beginning, and you all, obviously your caddy credentials are next level. But you got in there at the beginning and have 
been a part of every step he's made. That's yeah. got to be extremely rewarding to take someone with all your experience, take someone from coming straight out of college to now a two-time major champion. Like, kudos to you. Yeah, it's not – it, like the player, obviously, and you would say it too, but the player is the the story. But you've been there from the beginning, and it's not many guys. Like you look at a Victor Hovland, Biggies was on the bag, mm -hmm. Jason Shortall, and he's moved on to Shea Knight. Yeah. And you get these young studs coming out. It's very rare that that first caddy stays with them as long as they have. So. Yeah, there was a lot of you – know, when I went to work for him, um, you know, you get little jabs in the caddy room from guys like – you know, saying no, you never want to be the first, right? You know, you're you're not gonna like you know bad move, like kind of bad move, you know, yeah. type thing. And um, that was fine, whatever. I, I promise you, it didn't bother me. Uh, but it's um, you know, it you're right. You don't necessarily want to be the first guy sometimes. Um, the one thing that I will tell you about John that was very clear from the time I met him is how, his loyalty. He's an extremely loyal person. Um, very thought out, like when he talks, and, and you know he's. Um, I'd say he's a deep thinker, you know, and he's he appreciates um, the team concept, and he doesn't like a lot of interchanging parts. Doesn't want things moving around. He's done that with his, with not only his team, but his equipment. Um, I laugh at him all the time, or because he's still playing the same shaft in his driver that he played in college. You know, he just doesn't like tinkering. Doesn't like he couldn't tell you how many grams it is or what his lie angles are or anything. He just yeah, this is what works. This and like that's it. So. It goes through. That's just the type of person he is. He's got a small circle, but the people who are around him, he's very loyal to. And so, did you know with him right away that he had the potential to be this kind of player? Yeah, yes. right from the start. I mean, I had seen him when he played uh, as an amateur in Phoenix. Um, kind of watched him one time. Just happened to, I was maybe there getting a spot on the range, and he was five or six stalls down, hitting, and I just watched him. You know, because I'd heard about him, and obviously was a had already won one. I think. Ben Hogan Award maybe in college and um, had had maybe, I don't know, six or seven, eight wins at that time in college. So you knew who he was. And I just watched him hit balls and thought, man, it's kind of a, it's a little different action short, you know, and, but it was just the, the people talk about that sound, sound right? right? And um, he had that. And then the way he walked around, he just, he didn't walk around like he was a, a senior in college. He walked around like he had already won 10 times on tour. And so when I met him and then realized, what a good person he was, what a talented golfer he was. It was like, it was a pretty easy decision. And and then to see what he's done has been, it's been awesome. Well, you had to adapt a little bit as well. I mean, he, obviously he brings a fire that's very different mm -hmm. than a Jaybird yes. or a VT. I mean, VT yeah. is about as laid back as I get, Certainly. right? Yeah. Now you've got this guy that's got a deep, deep burning fire. That's, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a big... Big, uh, big move was, for you. You know, and I, and caddies, I've always said, if a caddy needs to be a chameleon, right? They just need to adapt to their player. You know, if I was working for you or, you know, after a week or two, you get to know the You'd guy. You'd hate life if you were working you, you, but, you, <laughs> but you, you know, you, uh, you, you adapt to them, you know, and it's maybe not, um, I'm not saying you don't act truly who you are, but you kind of have to put on a different hat sometimes and um, put some different things aside um and with john it, it was different not not necessarily because of the the passion or the fire um but more he was young you know and there was a lot of expectations on him it was the first guy that i had ever worked for that wasn't not that you know established is the right word but you know guys had played many tours and you know jaybird vaughn russell they had all kind of played in in somewhat and um you know, but John had all these expectations. And so then 
there's felt I felt yeah. like there was a lot of expectations on me sure. because these guys go out find me hire me because they think I'm the guy that's going to help him win. I'm not the guy that's going to help him win, but you know, for me to be able to just mesh with him and make him as comfortable as possible and be the same every day is what I kind of pride myself on. Show up the same, look the same, act the same. You know, don't, you know, I'm not a roller coaster. I'm not up and down, you know, emotionally. I just kind of try and be calm and then let him just do his thing. So it was an adjustment. Y'all got that first win, Tory. Tory Pines. Um, so when you win that tournament, I know winning your first tournament on the PGA Tour, I think I celebrated for a year. <laughs> like a guy like John, who is now going to be a World Golf Hall of Famer, how did y'all celebrate that first win? Did he get over it quickly and move on to the next? Like, what was that like? Yeah. So, yeah, we went, we had a little celebration dinner that night. Um, nothing crazy, just a good steak, a couple good bottles of wine, good dessert. And then we were off the next day to um, Phoenix, you know, and so, which is his basically hometown event. And so it was, you know, the next day or, you know, Monday afternoon, we're out at, you know, TPC hitting some putts and it was on to the next. So it was a huge win for him and he, it was very special and it always will be because he always, he loves San Diego also. Um, but he got over it pretty quick, I think, and, and moved right on and then, you know, won a couple more times that year and it was, it was awesome. Did it take you a little while to get comfortable showing up at a major knowing that you are one of the favorites? Yeah, it's still, it's still, you know, a learning um, curve, you know, and there's a lot of expectations, but to me, it's, again, it goes back to having that kind of consistency. It's the same thing. It's doesn't, I try to not, um, you know, show up and feel like, okay, LACC, oh, it's, the U.S. Open, we gotta. I gotta do all this special stuff, and you know, I, I need to go do this. It's like, no, I just, I'm gonna go walk the golf course. I have this little rule where I like to caddying. I like to see the golf course at least three times before Thursday. Okay. If that means I need to go out in an evening on Wednesday evening and walk nine holes because I've only seen that nine twice, I'll go do it. And may not learn anything, but it just in my mind, it's like, okay, I've seen the the course three times. I shouldn't be surprised by anything, and so. I try to do that at every event, um, and it just helps with that consistency. And it helps for me um, not have anxiety about it being a major. Yeah, just kind of you know cruise into it. It's amazing how much more comfortable you get by just being on the golf course. I'm sure, sure. even with the broadcasting you've been doing now, right? Just just walking around there, you get more comfortable. And as you say, not, nothing comes as a surprise. Preparation. Preparation is key for whatever you do. If you if you prepare well, you're not like you said, not surprised by anything. That's massive. You know, one of the coolest things I heard recently. I like I like listening to podcasts actually and doing listening to them on planes and, and things like that. And a good friend of mine, David Novak, um, does a, a podcast called How Leaders Lead, and he gets all these top CEOs and people who have been very successful in the business world, and they talk about you know their preparation and business and the way they lead and all these different things. And the one that Jim Nance did, um, and it talked about his whiteboard that he carries, you know, and all the research he does and how he just, you know, has newspaper clippings from all these, and how prepared he is. And, and that really, you know, I've kind of taken from that and other things and just be like, hey, listen, yes, I'm just a golf caddy, um, but I take it very serious. And if I can be prepared and not overly prepared, that's another thing. Like you can be, I think you can have too much stuff going on in your yardage book. You can have, 
you know, and it almost makes you more have more maybe anxiety as a caddy. You know, guys jumping around looking at too much information. I John just got Donatella. Uh, yeah, you know, or just whoever guys that are just like, I'm like, holy cow, man! Like, you know, how can you even know all that information? So, but for me, I like to just be prepared, and the way that I like being prepared is just haven't been on the golf course. Yeah, you know, and just seeing it and kind of remembering and not writing down ten thousand notes. You know, per golf course, I just. You're also a you're also a player, and you see it. You, you played high level golf. You played professional golf. You see it from a different perspective than most right. guys. And I I think when we look at where caddies are on the PGA Tour, you see a ton of guys that are great players. I know uh, Joe Griner's a good player. Awesome the, player. The, I mean, the list goes on and on. Yes. And, and the the whole caddy profession has changed dramatically in the last 15 years where it's guys like yourself that treat it like a real job yes. and do stuff. It's not it's not what it was back in the 90s and 80s and beyond. Right. Unfortunately, that kind of takes away from some of the caddy stories that yes, used to it come does. out. Like, the, the characters, a lot of the characters are gone, right? Yes, and they are. Unfortunately, when with comes a lot of money, then mm-hmm. things change. It becomes more professional. Yeah, Piggy, your old caddy, Piggy. He <laughs> was a beauty. Gay. He was a character. <laughs> he was a character. <laughs> yeah, there are some great ones out. There. I mean, and and you do. I miss that. I miss the stories, and that's why I love going to dinner, hanging out with some of the, especially some of the older European caddies. You know, the Billy Fosters, and yeah. Um, you know, squirrel. I mean, oh my God. right. I mean, just the stories and all the stories were from, to your point, late seventies, eighties, nineties, you know, the stories that the caddies would have coming out of the caddy house or out of the, you know, the pubs at night or stuff were just, I mean, you can't even make it up. It's right. Just, they're so good. Lance, so. Lance Timbroke had some good ones as well. Oh my gosh. Poor Lance. He just passed away. Lance said, yeah. And we used to have a funny, I'll tell you a funny Lance Timbroke one. Cause last call Lance, right. Yep. I mean, nicknames. So they had, uh, it was last call Lance. And then he had his son, Jonathan. Um, and they, they always laughed that he was last call. Jonathan was first call. And the wife at home was collect call. <laughs> and they were the call family, right? <laughs> you know, they, and so it's just stories like that. And, and guys getting nicknames and the reason they get their nicknames. That's those days are, they've kind of, They've kind of passed, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, because yep. there were some good stories. Yep. So many. So winning with John Rahm, y'all have now won a ton, and, and especially this year, the Masters, obviously. And when, when I watch him play golf and in the hunt, like the dude has a look in his eyes, yeah. and I mean this in a complimentary way, he's a fucking killer. Yeah. Like he – you know, we watched Ricky Fowler this weekend, and Ricky's a great dude and a great player. But you look in Ricky's eyes on a Sunday, and they don't look like John Rom's eyes. John has that has that look like he's going to do whatever it takes to beat you. So when you're going to war with this dude, what like what do you like? How is it in there in the in the hunt with John? It's it's fun. It's um, you know, I, back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, and it goes into this. Um, Feeling like I'm prepared. Um, I know he's prepared. Um, and then, you know, on the back nine on Sundays, the one things that I've done the most and tried to do the most is I try to slow everything way down, right? I start walking slow. John's always going to be right there by my side. It's like you're, you're like the, the jockey on a horse, so to speak. And, you know, and so I just, I try to, because if I'm walking fast or I'm looking nervous, he's probably going to be, you know, following along with me. So he'll even say to me sometimes, we're like, hey, let's slow down. Or, you know, I'll say, hey, come on, buddy, let's slow down. Let's just walk slow. And that back nine, just slow down. Um, 
this isn't giving any secrets away. This is just, because things are going to get going faster. But if you buy into that and it gets going faster, you almost want to slow it down. And, and so that's what is really cool. Like the back nine at Augusta, um, it was slow. It's been very yeah. well talked about. But, and it wasn't, listen, it was not Patrick Cantlay's fault, right? The golf course was set up difficult. It was hard. There's a lot on the line. It was, they were waiting to, it was just slow. Um, so it was easier there to slow down and just kind of walk slow. But you'll get some places where you'll have an official come up because that TV time, they need to end by 6 p.m. or 7 p.m., whatever it is. And you're on the 13th hole in the last group, and they're telling you to speed up, you know? And so that's a, that's a funky thing to have to deal with. But, you know, your routine can still be the same, but just walking slower, talking slower, less information, right? Not over-bombarding them with numbers of the back, number of the carry, number of the blah, 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 blah. It's just like, I really just shut up, to be honest with you, because he's going to ask me the questions that are on his mind. And can you see his focus narrow on the back nine on a Sunday, or yeah. is he just the same dude that he is this Thursday? Like, how is he? I don't, I don't mean to get you yeah. into talking about who he is, but yeah. like, how, like, he's got a, he look, he has a definitive look on late on Sunday. I would say, and, and it's with all, you know, really good athletes in general, you know, Jordan, when he used to want the ball at the end, you know, um, Kobe, Tiger Woods, these guys, like, they all have a way, and that's what makes them great is focusing when you need to focus. And I don't think you can have that same focus on Thursday and Friday as you maybe do on the back nine on Sunday. I just think it's – people can try to. Sure. Um, but I just think it's hard to. I think it's um, – I don't know. I think if you or try to be that focused at the beginning, it almost like would raise expectations and, and you'd get like all pissed off if you don't do good because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to be so focused. So, John, I just see that there's times earlier in tournaments he's maybe not as focused, and we, we make some mistakes. You know, it's, it is what happens. But very rarely on the back nine on Sunday when he's in contention does he make mistakes. Um, and it's just – it's not that he's trying any harder or anything. It's just he's a little bit more focused on the task at hand. And as a caddy, I can feel that from him and, and read that from him. And you see other guys doing it too. I mean – Listen, Brooks on Sunday was just as focused as he had probably been all week, you know, and John just played good and Brooks had a, you know, a few breaks that just didn't go his way, you know, but those guys, you can see them focused in and, and um, yeah, just kind of ready to go. At the end of every year, they send us a survey. I, mm -hmm. I ignore half of the questions. <laughs> One that I always would answer was, what could we do differently for the caddies? Mm. Are you guys starting to get treated better out there now? We are. Um, it's been incredible. The the from you know a few years back when the Caddy Association you know filed a lawsuit against the tour, mm -hmm. um, and, and that kind of from that point on it, it has changed and um, it's changed for the better. Um, parking's better. Yeah. You know, we used to have to park miles away and take a shuttle in, and it was ridiculous. You know, it was hard. It right? was ridiculous, it was, it, and it was hard because you yeah. and then little things. Um, being able to go in the locker room now, you know, just to, and not to hang out, not to have beers and, you know, sit around and whatever, but it's to, you know, take your launch monitor or, you know, get an extra gloves or, or, or balls or just whatever. Yeah. Um, instead of having to ask the security guard, you know, and you stand there and you're like, and you're waiting, you know, you got three minutes to be on the tee yeah. and you're waiting for this guy to bring you something back that your player needs. And so now to be able to go in and come out, uh, and then the food has been so much better. 
You know, it used to be we had the caddy wagon, which, which I actually good. missed. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I, I, I missed miss the yeah. caddy wagon. It was fun to be able to go in and have a place where it was just the guys and you know you guys, the players would come in and sit around. That was fun. Um, since that's no longer, um, the tour has really stepped up, and majors have stepped up, and it's the hospitality we get now is is really really good. Well, I mean, you alluded to it. John views his. He's got a team, and you're one of the biggest parts of that team. And and the agents and the trainers, they all get to go into player dining. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I think COVID actually helped a lot with, with caddy hospitality in that way because it was just players and caddies. And they're yeah. like, oh, wait, we can we can facilitate this. But it's been a long time coming, and, and there's still a lot of room to go with, with the way it's treated. But yeah. y'all are a vital part of the PGA Tour. There's only – two things that are required to play a PGA Tour event. Players, and that player has to have a caddy. Yes. And so if you don't treat them with respect, and it's the old, the old sign, like public welcome, no caddies yes, allowed. Exactly. Like, it's ridiculous. And that, yeah. was the old, that was the old way, and fortunately we're moving past that. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been great. And honestly, we don't, you know, the caddies don't necessarily – no offense, we don't want to hang out with you guys after the round, right? You know, I mean, listen, we, I love, wanna, we, we like hanging I, out I with you. Talk, yeah, and, and if you guys want to come hang out, that's fine. But you guys don't, you guys want to be able to get away from us, right? And so I love that they have player dining, caddy dining, and then they'll have the player family dining, right? So players may not want to sit in with all the families, yeah. they may want their time. And that's just things that, and sometimes I know there's space, it just doesn't allow that. Yeah. But they've done an amazing job, even if it's just a temporary tent that's air conditioned now and, and stuff that where caddies can go and just get away from their player maybe a little bit, take a deep breath, decompress, go back out to the range or the putting green and, and collect their thoughts and, and bring something to the table. Whereas in, in the past, you know, there's a little table under a tree with a you know, bag lunch or something that's like three days old, and then the caddy's all pissed off because you know, and then they go back out and you know, you're yeah. like, hey, let's go practice for a couple hours, and the caddy's all pissed, yeah. <laughs> grumpy of his own. It's like so, it just all kind of flows now, and it's just the environment is much more healthy, um, and, and I think guys are appreciative of it. No doubt about so, it. So thanks for uh, filling the surveys out. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I feel single-handedly that I changed this for you. You're welcome. So you got the Open Championship BL's next start in a couple be, weeks. Yeah. Uh, John hasn't had necessarily the greatest of open championship records. I know you had a third back in 2021. Mm -hmm. um, but of all the majors, I would say it's maybe his weakest to date. Uh, is he doing anything different? Or are you guys doing anything different in preparation for this open? Yeah, I, I don't think so. You know, I, I will say it's um, the the open championship's a funny one. There's a couple things that go into, in my mind, um, why maybe he hasn't had as good a track record. Number one there's different draws, right? Weather has been a factor on a couple, and we've had the wrong side of the draw, and I know everybody gets that, <laughs> not an excuse. Um, secondly, it's the last major of the year. It's late in the year, you know, it's, it's been a long year, and, and guys are, um, not that they're getting ahead of themselves. I mean, majors are incredible, and the Open Championship is, they're all important, but that's an incredible one. But you start getting your, your minds starting to think about, like a year like this, the Ryder Cup playoffs you know there's a lot of things that are going on so it's it's a funky it's a funky major to the last one because you're just kind of there's a lot going on you know it's late in the year and especially this year with 
you know, the, the front-heavy schedule for a lot of guys. A lot of guys are worn down. And I think that's why John, uh, this year, has decided to take three weeks off leading up to the Open. He wants to be uh, fresh. He wants to have some time to probably get over there a little early and get adjusted. Um, not necessarily at, at Hoylake, but he's going to go somewhere and get overseas, I think. Um, and then just and kind of be refreshed and kind of almost like hitting the reset button and, and starting a new season, you know, to the end. So hopefully this year is different um, at the Open. He's played Hoylake in the past. He likes it. Um, and uh, I've got a buddy who's been over there working and uh, has been sending me some some updates on the course. So it looks like it's in great shape. It and it's going to be it's going to be awesome. You know, I was there in 06 and in 14. I think it was 14, right, when Roy won. Um, but I was there both those years, and they were two totally different years. Um, obviously, Tiger winning in 06, it was – so burned out and dry, they weren't even letting people smoke in there like a smoking right. band because yeah. they were scared the whole place was going to go up in flames. Um, and that was incredible. And then in 14, it was obviously a little more linksy, uh, wet, yeah. you know, English weather. So be interesting to see what happens this year. You, you speak of the schedule for this season, and I, I find it uh, a little bit ridiculous how many, uh, well, at least after the Masters, you had the RBC mm -hmm. uh, that was a that was a designated event. And then after the U.S. Open, you have a designated event and the Travelers, and it's, it's asking a ton of these top players to put it all out there during a major and then to be expected to show up. And just kudos to you and John. Like, I thought that was one of the classiest moves ever, showing up to the RBC. And that round Friday, like, that was – showed has to be one of the best rounds he played all year yeah. just you know he's exhausted he doesn't want to be there and he goes out makes the cut y'all finished top 20 that week i thought that was an incredible performance but hopefully that they was. can get this schedule figured out next yeah. year to where y'all aren't required to play either side of majors yeah i think the tour that's the one thing that i would say the tour and i know they were thrown their backs were against the wall and and getting this schedule out and getting these elevated events but looking back i think that wasn't thought through on having them after the majors. It should have been, and I'm, I don't know, listen, I, I'm not saying what should have been or could have been, but that's one thing that I've heard a lot of guys rumblings that, you know, it's week after major, you know, yeah. and you, a lot of guys take off the weeks after majors and, and the weeks leading up. So listen, they'll figure it out there. Um, it, it wasn't ideal, but nothing was ideal this year. I don't think. And when it comes to the, just what's been going on in the landscape of golf. And so, Everybody will learn from it. It's new, and um, I think it'll be really good going forward. Have you guys, uh, have you guys got a regular uh, practice round group for the majors? Not really. Um, he plays – you know, he likes – him and Phil are buddies. They, um, so he plays with Phil a lot in practice rounds at majors. Um, him and Sergio are buddies. You know, they play uh, practice rounds. So there's nothing set. Him and Tony Finau are good pals. They play a lot together at home. And um, so those are kind of usually the guys – Play one day with Tony a lot of times. Mm -hmm. um, one day we kind of just show up at the tee, you know, and just if somebody's there, great. If not, just go by ourselves. Um, so that's kind of what the majors have been the last couple of years. Yep. And so I don't know. We'll see what happens at Hoy Lake. We might go out and might do something different. Maybe I'll say, let's go tee off at 10 o'clock at night. You're right. Right? Because you can stay or something, you know, play a, play a late nine holes, you know, after dinner. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But Catting for so many different guys, and, and you've – already said how you just try to be the same every day has it been has it genuinely been just you being the same person every day with john have you had to do anything to adjust your specifically for him or are you just that same guy no i i just try to be the same and um you know don't uh don't do anything different than than what you're comfortable doing um and so 
John, like I said, he doesn't throw a lot of different, you know, variables into things. So it's very easy to stay the same, you know, and just show up day to day. Um, try to keep everything as as simple as possible, and it's you know, it's every all the all the players are different, as you know. Um, Vaughn was much different than Jonathan Bird. Jonathan Bird was much different than Russell Henley, um, and they are all in their own ways amazing, you know, and great. But it's just different, and so. You know, being able to adapt to each guy um, for those, you know, six, eight hours a day you're with them um, is, I think, what makes a, makes guys more than numbers and information you give them. Sometimes that's more important as a caddy. I have a lot of respect for that statement. You're the, you're the man. Um, Jay Bird, uh, I, don't, I can't remember the year, Vegas. You were on the bag yeah, when he – 2010. Hole-in-one walk-off win incredible. in Vegas. Is, is yeah. that your favorite memory on the golf course? It's yeah. I mean, uh, listen, majors have been amazing. Yeah. Um, and and those will definitely be the top. But as far as just cool, crazy, unbelievable moments, that was that was definitely it. And and it was so funny because I think it was Cameron Cameron Percy. Yep. Uh, yeah. Martin Laird. And I feel like there was one. I feel like it was a four man playoff. Maybe it was only three. I don't remember exactly. Um, but. Martin, I think, was in the HSBC, which was the next week in China. And it was late, and it was getting dark. And the rules official was uh, – they were contemplating whether we play one more hole or not. And it was getting dark, but, you know, the sun's going down behind the mountain. But there's this layer of clouds, and there's this gap, you know. I don't know how – and I'm like, you know, dumb caddy. I'm wanting to play, right? Because I'm, I'm like, let's go. Not, not, I had no clue who's going to make it. Or, but I'm like, I don't want to come back in the morning. Man. I got a red eye home tonight. I got right. to change my flight. You know, let's get this. So I'm like, I think the sun's going to hit off the clouds and we might get a little go. <laughs> Genius over here. Uh, and, and so anyways, there, you know, I kind of talked to Jaybird. And so he's like, yeah. And then Martin's like, well, I got a flight, you know, to catch. I can't change my flight going to the so, Yeah, let's go one more hole. Boom, hole in one. I was like, it was incredible. So it was uh Looking back on it, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen on a golf course. I, I mean, it was. It was. A, you couldn't even really. Could you see the ball go in the hole? No. And and it was funny. They wouldn't let any. They had put some ropes up, so the fans were only on the side of the tee box, and behind the tee box on the okay. 17th hole there at Summerlin. Um, they weren't letting anybody by the green. So there was one marshal behind the green in his little red shirt, you know, his Shriner shirt at the time, and, and there was the camera guy up there on the, the camera, and you know, the ball lands and it's rolling towards the hole. And all, all of a sudden, the, the guy with his little paddle back there puts his paddle up, and I'm like, oh, "Did that?" You know. And then it was like, and then there was a delay on the TV, and then you heard it from the big jumbotron. So it was like there was one person and a camera guy. And the cam, you know, camera's like this, like not moving right at the hole. So I'm like, "Holy shit!" I think that thing <laughs> it was just like bananas. So it was awesome. Um, yeah. All right, every caddy's been fired. Yes. Give me, give me a good firing story. Well, they say you're not a caddy until you've been fired. Right. Um, luckily, I've I've been fired one time. Okay. Um, and it was on the ladies' tour. That was the dad who fired me. Um, and and so I kind of became a caddy then, I guess, a true caddy. And um, but the story um, goes with that. I got another. I got two stories, so I'll tell you that one. So I, I'm caddying for, um, and she was a sweetheart, and she still is, I'm sure. I, I've lost touch with her, but Ari Song, Ari and Ari mm-hmm. Song, yeah. they were twins, amazing golfers, um, and the dad was uh, very strict, involved, involved. There you go. That's a good word, involved. And um, so she had uh, played re- really well. Um, lost a turn to Annika Sorenstam, who was 
nobody could beat Annika that year, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dad kind of blamed me for her not winning, which was fine. I was a caddy. I didn't take it. And after the round, he's 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 in the parking lot, and he's the fans are like, here's the parking lot, and right next to the parking lot, the player parking. I was putting the bag in, you know, their car. They were gonna next turn was in Kingsville. I think they were driving or whatever. And there's a line of fans, and the dad is just giving it to me, you know, in his broken English, you know, telling me I'm a piece of crap and different words, and you know, and he says, you know, he goes, you know, hotel, you know, guy that takes bag to room. Porter, you're nothing but a porter, is what he's calling me. And I'm kind of like, all right, I've had enough now. I'm like, I've, I've had enough of this guy. And so, I don't know, are, are we allowed to cuss on this show? Yeah, okay, so, and, and so I say, I say, oh, yeah, I'm a porter? Oh, I'm a porter? I'm like, do you know asshole? I'm like, we, yeah. right? And the fans all start clapping. They're like, ah, you can tell like, caddy, you know? And I'm like, so that's it. I'm like, throw the clubs in, slam the trunk, out of there. Um, and, and that was in... 2003 and so i think i had just gotten a cell phone you know i'm like Uh back then it was like cell phones were just kind of coming around and uh i get this call from her you know a couple hours later uh so sorry my dad um uh um i still would like you to caddy for me next week if if you want and i'm like she was a sweet girl and it wasn't her fault sure and i said you know what ari i said i'll be there next week king's mill I'm like, I'll be there. I said, I'm a caddy, but this will, be my, this will be my last week. So you'll have time to find somebody, and that's it. And so I caddied for that last week, and, and that was it. And so I called Vaughn Taylor leaving there, and I already had a job before I left the parking lot, really. But, yeah, so I was a porter for, for that week, I guess. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, yeah. I got some good stories from so some So then friends. the other good one, the other good firing, but this was a, this was a player, a caddy firing a player. Okay. Um, Bob Burns, Bullet. You remember Bullet? Mm-hmm. Yes. Caddying for Steve Elkington. And um, I don't know exactly how the story went, but it, it's something along the lines of he left the bag in front of the bunker on number nine at uh, TPC Boston. That okay. was their last hole and left him a note on the bag. And Bullet went over to the beer tent and sat there and watched, you know, so Elk's got to come back and he gets the bag. <laughs> and there's this note, you know, I, Bob Bullet Burns, officially quit your former caddy bullet <laughs> yeah, and so Elk's got like carry his own bag off the green or whatever happened but that's uh that was another funny funny uh firing i guess yeah bullets a man uh you have won so many tournaments go on the 18th green when you finish you mm-hmm. take the flag off so you've accumulated a lot of flags where, where are they proudly displayed in your home no. are they in a drawer where, yeah. where you got all your caddy flags? so th- again going back to you know, wanting people to, when I'm at home, I want to be Adam, the husband, the dad, um, friend, you know, so I don't want to be just labeled as the golf caddy. So, um, I've only got two things displayed in the house. Um, I never had anything. I take the flags from the 18th holes, um, in the bib and I kind of put them together and then just put them in a Tupperware bin up in the storage room. Um, I kept three flags, the whole flag, the, the stick and everything. Uh, Muirfield when John won uh, and went to number one in the world for the first time. Kept that one because I had driven up there. So I threw it in the truck and drove home. Uh, Excuse me, sir. What is that big yeah. flag in the back <laughs> so, of your um, Torrey Pines kept the whole flag. Uh, and the USGA was nice enough to ship the flag stick home. Um, and then Augusta kept that flag. Um, and then so it, when John won Torrey Pines, there was a really cool picture of when he made that putt on 18. And my hands are up in the air, and um, 
all the golf magazines were from the fairway, basically. Uh, you know, anything in publication was from the fairway, the front of John, you know, fist pumping. And so it's my back. And Taylor Zarger um, got a hold of a picture from the front that a guy, something weird, like Taylor was interviewing me or asking me some questions, and a guy came up to him and said, hey, I've got this really cool picture. If you know Adam, he might want it. And so Taylor kept this thing for years. And last year I was playing with Taylor down at Quail Hollow with a good friend of mine from New York, a guy named Joe Toot, um, awesome guy. And we all played golf together at Quail Hollow. And the, Taylor was telling this story about this picture. And so Joe got a hold of it, got it blown up, and gave it to me this year at Christmas. And so I have that picture up, and then I have the uh, Augusta flag in the corner of the office. That's it. So those are my two golf things. In those the house. are two very pretty, <laughs> yeah. so, very pretty good things to have it. in the house. Yeah. So I keep them. Someday, you know, the kids will think it's cool. I've never had John sign one though. So that's um, you got to do that. Yeah. You know what? I I've never. I don't really ask John for his autograph. I'm not. I haven't done it much. And so I just made it my little thing. And once I realized that he was probably going to win a lot of tournaments. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to ask him every single time. So I think someday maybe when I'm done caddying or he fires me or whatever, maybe we'll go and just open up a couple bottles of wine and go back and tell stories and have him sign them then. Sounds so that's like kinda, the plan. That's the plan. All right. I got to get, I got to get this out. Cause I feel like I've taken so much. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I've taken the brunt of so much blame for going on over a decade now. Uh, you and I went to a Jack Johnson concert together with Brian Reed years ago and we got kicked out of the show. We did. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm not going to take any of the blame, but I, if I recall, you took the dude's hat off and that's when security came. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to. Maybe we should get Brian Reed on the. We should, maybe we get you him on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you well, adamantly denied it out there. You adamantly denied it. We were sitting. We were sitting. I think what happened. Don't let was, him off. It. It. Uh, it. I think it got taken off of his hat. Maybe you took it off the first time. <laughs> yeah, okay. now that could be so I, interesting. I think that's an interesting out the second ever. time and got taken out. And I, maybe I'll take the blame for taking out the second. But I gave it back to you because I think you wanted to dance with this guy's little fedora hat he had. And uh, I, I don't know exactly. Well, they, we were sitting second row, and, and yeah. I mean, right above the pit, the best seats I've ever had for a concert. And that, that the family wasn't even dancing; it was ridiculous. Yeah. So that's right. That's what it was. They were sitting down or something. They right? were sitting down, yeah, and, I, the show. and yeah. I took personal offense to it, which I I've learned a lot from. It's all coming back now. Yeah. So I think it was. I think it was the second time is when I took his hat, and that's when we got thrown out. <laughs> but I think I laid the ground. I laid. I laid the groundwork. But I'll, I will never forget. I'll never get sick of telling it when Brian Reed is in tears as uh, the song he named is daughter after a he's begging the security guard to let him stay in the show but did he ask if he could stay for one more song <laughs> he was like slow walking i remember the security guard was like yeah he like kept grabbing him he's like you're out of here and we just left i'm like i'm, o I'm over this anyways you know like and um, i named this song yeah. after i named my daughter after, after this song, song. Yeah. oh man so it's good too funny that was awesome adam you're the fun. best good luck going forward uh yeah, you know I, I i really like your perspective on on you just show up and be the same guy every day. I think that is incredible, and I think we could all learn a lot from that. But uh, good luck to you in the future. Thank you. You too. Thanks very much for spending right. some time with us. Good yeah. to see you, my friend. You too, man.